This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of James, chapter 5. We've been talking about some different various things with regard to prayer. I don't know about you, but man, I tell you what, I've been getting blessed. I mean, I've been listening to me going, wow, that's good, you know? So uh, I thank God for the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Because he, he cares about us and he wants us to have breakthrough. He wants our prayers to be answered. He wants uh, things to turn around. He wants us to have hope. He wants us to be faith-filled. He wants us to be full of the Spirit. Praise God. And thank God the Bible tells us how that can happen, amen, and what we need to do in order to get there. So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, prayer and uh, what makes prayer effectual, how we can uh, cooperate with the Spirit of God in our individual lives for whatever it is that we may be praying about. And... uh, Uh, So let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you this evening. Father, we love you again. Thank you for these great testimonies, Father. Thank you for coming to the aid of those that are in need. We're so grateful, Father God, that you're interested in everything about our lives. And so as we pray tonight, we thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father, for eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to believe the Word of God. Not only that, Father God, I just thank you for helping all of us to behold the wonderful things that are hidden within your word. And I thank you, Lord, for enlightening the minds and hearts of those present, those watching by internet, with regard to their personal lives and the practical, relevant application of the things that we talk about this evening. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 5, <clears throat> you know, like we said, we've been talking about our own personal prayer life and, and really how incredibly powerful and how necessary it really is. Now, the devil, the God of this world, will do anything and everything he can to talk you out of or to convince you that what, how you pray, when you pray, if you pray, or whatever, really doesn't matter. But it does matter because the Bible says so. And of course, praise God, if he can get anyone, if he can do anything to thwart your engagement or involvement with your heavenly father, then he'll do it. He'll tell you all kinds of lies. So I've mentioned this before and it's true, but I mean, apart from the word of God, your prayer life is probably the second most important aspect of your relationship with God. You know, because his word is him speaking to you. And when we pray, we're talking to him. So that's relationship, that's, that's koinonia, that's fellowship with God, and it's vitally important. And unfortunately, prayer seems to be somewhat of a mystery to a lot of Christians, but that's never the way that God intended it. Certainly wasn't what Jesus taught. So thank God for his word. Praise God forevermore. We have the New Testament that can help us in understanding those things, you know. And a lot of times people, you know, uh, you know, you could ask a person, well, you know, are you a person of prayer? Well, you know, I, I, I know I should, but I probably don't pray as much as, you know, and, or maybe I don't know how. Well, thank God again for the Bible. How many of you know, praise God, it's an instruction manual. Amen. My wife's really glad when I, you know, we have these, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? Um, 
pilot, uh, airplane. What's that thing that's underneath the seat in the back of our plane? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it before. But anyway, we've got this. We've got this great big manual in the, in in our plane. It has to be in the plane at all times, so that if something happens, you can refer to it, you know, and figure out what it is. Hopefully, you know a little something before that point comes. But anyway, she's real glad that I at least understand part of what's in there. Are you listening to me? Why? Because it impacts uh, the success of what it is that we're doing. And the same thing's true with the Bible. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, people, a lot of times they'll say, well, I'm not much of a reader. I'm not much of this. I'm not. Well, you know, maybe we've got to make a few adjustments in our personal lives about what we are and what we aren't. Because last time I checked, I mean, unless you have it in some digital form and audio, this is it. Okay? So we have to... Uh, take advantage of what it is that's in front of us. And so um, I just, uh, you know, you, you talk to a lot of folks sometime and their prayer lives are, are um, uh, they're in bad shape. It's kind of like they've given up on prayer. You know, and a lot of times that happens as a result about, you know, sometimes maybe they prayed about something, you know, something they were desiring or whatever, and they experienced disappointment. How many of you have ever done that? I think all, each and every one of us have. And somehow or another, uh, we ended up at an impasse when it came to what it is we desired and what, it is, what the outcome of that thing was. And so it does create disappointment. It can, it can actually cause people to be very disillusioned. You know, well, if this prayer thing is supposed to be such a big deal, then how come? Well, there are reasons, and that's why uh, we're here tonight to study to discover, to find out, so that, praise God, we can do so, do so more accurately and not become disappointed because the prayer wasn't answered. And so here's the thing you need to understand. This, this is, you know, the truth is, is that we as believers, as children of God, we can change things through prayer, but it does require a persistent and a persevering attitude or approach towards our prayer life with something we refer to as faith, okay? When James was writing, he talked about a guy needing wisdom. He said, but let him ask in faith. Well, you know, if you're a person that said, well, I didn't much think that God was gonna answer it anyway, you might as well just saved your breath. You know what I'm saying? Am I in the right house? Okay, okay, good. I thought so. I came here twice tonight. I came with my wife, and then I forgot my glasses, so I had to go back home. And I'm glad he got you and not me. But anyway, and then I, and then I, got, and then I came back, came back to church. Hallelujah. Now I behaved. I wasn't too bad. Praise the Lord. You know, it's it's probably not a good thing to confess such things when you have one of the lieutenants for the department in your church. Yeah, it's probably not a good thing. So. Here's one thing I want you to understand about praying is that it is not some arduous, dutiful, um, you know, hardship kind of thing, you know, that you have to be engaged in. Your father invites you to come. He said, come to me, all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Well, one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. 
And, and it's important to understand that part of the dynamic, you know, because a lot of people say, well, you know, I guess what the pastor's saying, if I just pray lar- long enough or if I pray hard enough, you know, then, then by golly, God will do something about it. It's not a program of works. Nothing really could be further from the truth. Now, there, well, I talked about persistence and persevering, but that's because you positioned yourself to receive something from heaven and you're standing in the name of Jesus and you refuse to be denied or allow the devil to keep it from coming to pass. And there's a difference, you with me? So we're not talking about, you know, well, if I just pray long enough, if I, you know, whatever, whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. It isn't about works. It's simply about knowing uh, your place and your position in him. And so our prayers do matter. Notice here in James chapter five, this is our text, verse 15, actually 13. He said, is any of you afflicted, tested, or tried? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing praises or psalms. And then is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and, then, and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. Not the prayer of doubt and unbelief. Not the prayer of, you know, I sure hope this works. Not the prayer of, you know, I hope so. But no, the prayer of faith shall save or deliver the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then notice particularly this last part of the phrase in 16. The effectual and the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Some other translations I mentioned to you earlier is the earnest, heartfelt, and continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's the Amplified Bible. Moffat says, the prayer of the righteous have a powerful effect. Hallelujah. You know, I think I, I still come back to that deal with Abraham, you know, when, when God says, shall I hide that thing, the thing that I do uh, from Abraham, seeing that he shall become a great and mighty nation. And he made intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. Man, dude, that is powerful. He said, if I find 50, I won't do it. All the way down to 10. If I find 10, I won't do it. And it was all because Abraham asked. You know, and so it becomes important for us to understand that. Uh, Phillips translation says that tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. 20th century says great is the power of a good man's fervent prayer. Another one says when a just man prays fervently, there is a great virtue in his prayers. And then finally, it says the prayer of a righteous man can bring powerful results. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that? Sometimes, you know, I've said this before, you know, people say, well, what good is prayer? Why do I need to pray? After all, God already knows what I need, you know. I mean, you know, uh, and, and that's true. He knows what things we have need of before we ask, but he did say to ask. Amen. Jesus, when he was walking through the crowd and one individual, it was apparent what the problem was, but he said, what is it that you want? You know, well, don't you know what I want? No, what do you want? See, it, it re- there really is a transaction between you and heaven when it comes to these matters. If you have a financial need, you need to let the Lord know that you have a financial need. You know, if you need, you know, a physical healing, you need to let the no- Lord know. And then, of course, uh, that involves what it is that we believe about all of it. But it's important for us to understand these things that we still need to ask. He said to call unto me, I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you know nothing about. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? Amen. 
and other places, you know, uh, James, he said, you have not because you ask not. But then he gets into the matter of motives and he says, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss because you want to consume it on your own lust. So motive, you know, becomes the issue there. And sometimes our prayers can be a little selfish, but I wasn't naming any of you, you know, just, you know, I'm just saying that sometimes that can be the case. And so we do have something to do with the way that things turn out within our lives. Let's look at a, uh, I mentioned or made reference to this last week, but turn to 2 Kings 20. 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 20. Notice with me here about, I mean, this is significant here, boys and girls. This, this was meaningful where uh, King Hezekiah's life was concerned. This is in, uh, again, 2 Kings 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. He had developed some kind of a boil that was actually obviously infected and, and he was going to die. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, and you shall not recover. Bummer, dude. You know what I'm saying? So, notice verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, that I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Turn back, say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and behold, I will heal you, and on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord." and I will add 15 years to your life. Everybody say hallelujah. And I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So there was a time and an opportunity for repentance, and thank God Hezekiah found that place of repentance before God. And God revisited him, spoke to him, and said, not only will I heal you, but I'll give you 15 more years. Praise God. Isn't that good? That's, that's the God we serve. So, and then, of course, I use the example of Peter in Acts chapter 12. We won't turn there right now. But, you know, he got thrown in jail. Uh, Herod, he'd already uh, killed James by the sword. Well, man, let's go look at it real quick. You got time. Turn to Acts, the Acts of the Apostles chapter 12. Sometimes they tell these stories, and maybe we ought to just read them. Acts chapter 12 Notice it says, now about the time, this is verse 1, that Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. That means to harass, to mistreat, to afflict. We see, a, we see an increasing uh, behavior amongst the ungodly against the church, more so and more so as, as we go along here. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded further to take Peter also. Now, you know this is only a political move. Herod doesn't care about the Jews. He doesn't care about anybody. The only person that Herod cares about is Herod. But because he's seen that it pleased them, he began to curry the favor, and then he took Peter too. So the same fate probably was set out for him. 
And uh, in verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quarterings of soldiers to keep him. Sixteen guys take care of one guy. We don't want him to get away, do we? How many of you know God is bigger than 16 guys? Huh? Intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer. Everybody said, thank you, Lord. Yeah. But prayer was made without ceasing or earnestly. Okay? Remember that scripture that we just got done reading? For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Huh? So here it says, earnest prayer, a prayer without ceasing of the church was made unto God for him. So then when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers uh, before the door kept the prison. Behold, an angel of the Lord, (laughs) I love this, came upon him, shined a light in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up and said, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, bind thy sandals. So he did. He said unto him, Cast your garment about thee and follow me. And they went out and followed him. He went out, I should say. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came to an iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened unto them of his own accord. And they went out and passed through one street, forthwith the angel departed from him. So when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And so when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, or John Mark, if you remember, where many were gathered together, what? Knitting? No, praying. Praise God. You know, and then I don't know if it was Rhoda or who, somebody came to the door and (laughs) she freaked out. She was so excited, she forgot to let him in. You know, hallelujah. Prayer works. That's my point. And in both of these cases, you know, you can see uh, uh, circumstances where because of prayer, and here's what I want you to see. You know, when, when we talk about this, without your prayers, there is a lot of things in people's lives that will not come to pass with regard to their personal lives unless they pray. And then they, you know, people get sour and they get bitter and they get jaded, you know, and they get mad at God and they think he's not, you know, answering their prayers or listening or whatever. Dude, the problem is not with God. Am I in the right house? You know, it's so important for us, you know, not to allow ourselves to go down those kinds of paths in our thinking because it can be so destructive in terms of the outcome of it, you know? Why did God let this happen? Why didn't God intervene? You know, all these kinds of things. Well, there are a lot of questions I'm sure that many of us perhaps will never know in this life. But there are some things that we can know. There are some things that we can do. There are things that we can change. You know, and um, so, of course, um, that's, that's, that's the approach. And, and the reason, of course, is because as believers, how many believers do I have here tonight? So, okay, that means you. 
that as believers on this earth, there is, God has given you a spiritual jurisdiction, an authority in the earth, but it has to be exercised. There are a lot of churches, they don't even tell people about the authority they have as a believer. They don't even know. They leave their lives up to fate. They leave up, you know, whatever, whatever. They don't have any clue that they can in um, affect their lives and situations if they knew the truth. And thank God we're knowing the truth. Amen. So we have this authority or this the, or place that we have on the earth. It won't do you any good when you get to heaven. You won't need it. We need it here. You know, when Jesus said, behold, I have the keys of he uh, he death and of hell, you know, and then he tells his disciples, I want you to go. All authority is given unto me. Go in my name and do exploits for Jesus. Amen. So there is jur a spiritual jurisdiction. Now, I'm not talking about being weird, Okay. Some people, you know, they get over into some real junk when it comes, you know, to, um, especially when it comes to other people, you know. Everyone is their own free moral agent, you know. You can't make anybody do anything. That's witchcraft, you know. It's a controlling spirit. You see it, vestiges of it in the world today, you know, the tyranny of the world and things of that nature. But, but on the other hand, praise God, you know, um, we have authority within our lives, our homes, our families, you know, and, and things of that nature. And sometimes we can help others if they get on the same page. Sometimes you can't, you know, and uh, because if they don't believe the word of God, you're just wasting your time, you know. And you have to do what you can and go as far as you can. Look at this verse of Scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 18 with me. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew the 18th chapter. Notice this verse. Matthew 18. Verse 18. Jesus is speaking. He says, Verily I say unto you, that whatever or whatsoever you shall bind where? On earth. Shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth, where? On earth. Shall be loosed where? In heaven. And again I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything they shall ask. I tell you, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have used that verse. We say, Father, you said in your word that if two of us on earth would agree touching anything that we ask, that you would do it for us. And God, we can only thank you for your gracious mercy and, 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 and grace toward us to do what it is that we need. And you know what? He does it. He said, if two of you will agree on earth, touching anything you ask, it shall be done uh, for them of my Father that is in heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? 
But he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, the reason I bring this up to you is I want to talk to you about a thing that I call the battle of the time lapse. Okay? What I mean by that is between when you pray and when you see it. Okay? That can be a really fun road right in there. But let's talk about it and let's see what we can learn. Uh, let me talk to you first of all, and this is especially true in the context of petition type prayer, things that you desire when you pray. I mean, a petition that you request or you ask of the Lord. Now, when we're talking about intercession or interceding for someone, the time part of it, you know, when we pray for the nation, it's a continual thing that we're doing. You, you with me? So, so that's why there's different kinds of prayer, different types of prayer. But we're talking about when you are asking the Lord for something, you know, and, and dealing with from the time I pray to the time I see it. And, and that can be a very interesting time. But here's some facts about uh, um, this kind of praying. And guess what? If you don't do this with faith, guess what? <laughs> it ain't going to work. Okay? You still glad you came? It's true. Faith, let me tell you some things about faith, the facts about faith. Faith is always now. Faith is always present tense. Okay? It's not out there somewhere, I know that God's going to do it someday. No, faith is now. Now, I know this is kind of a play on words, but you know, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I understand it that it's actually a sentence structure that's been created, you know, within the narrative. But the reality is, if faith is not now, it is not faith. Are you with me? So faith is always present tense, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more with you uh, as we go along here. And, and, and here's the reason why I say that, because uh, faith is now uh, as opposed to hope. Hope deals with out there in the future someplace, but faith deals with right here, right now. Does that make sense to you? Maybe that's a better way to be able to say that. Number two, faith believes before, everybody say before. Faith believes before it receives. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Number three, faith receives the moment it believes. Okay? But I don't have it. It doesn't make no difference. That's not what faith is. If you have it, you don't need faith because you got it. You know, a good illustration of that is a title deed or a warranty deed to something that may be a piece of property or vehicle or whatever. You can go in, you can buy the car or buy the house or whatever. And, you know, you sign all the papers and they say, well, we're going to send all this down to the recorder's office and then we'll send it. Well, you go around and say, I just bought a house. You know, and people would say, well, I don't see the house and I don't see anything that says you got the house. I said, no, dude, I, I, I bought the house. We did the deal and, and, uh, and I own it. Okay, everything's signed, it's all good, but you don't have any evidence that you bought the house or bought the car or whatever until you get the little paper in the mail, the deed or the, you know, the title or whatever, and then you got it. 
Not only that, but you're driving it or you're living in it or whatever the case might be. So there's this duration, you know, between when we believe we receive and when we have it. So that's why I say that faith receives the moment it believes. Then number four, faith does not keep asking for what it already has received. Huh? God, when are you going to show up with this deal? God, I'm waiting on you. Well, you're, you're in the weeds, dude. <laughs> Come on back. Let's start over again. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like Joan and I, you know, uh, some night um, or some day, let's just say that for the sake of illustration, we call Carrie and Betty and we say, hey, you guys want to go out to dinner tonight? Let's go eat some whatever, barbecue. Yeah, sure, we'd love to, okay. Well, listen, you know, we're over here, you're over there, we'll just meet you there, and uh, we'll have dinner together. And so we go down the road of life. We've already made the deal, right? And we all believe we're going to go eat wherever it is that we're going to eat, right? Well, she would think it's strange if I were to about 5 o'clock, you know, or something like that, say, you know, man, we we, we probably ought to call them and see, you know, if they're going to be there. And she would say, we already discussed it. They agreed that they would be there. You know, you, you, you tracking? And, and so, um, you know, but, and then a little bit later I call and say, well, we, we probably ought to call them just to make sure that they're going to be there. Well, they already said they were going to be there. You with me? So that's the same thing that happens to us when we find out what it is that God has said when he says, listen, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, you know, or something of that nature, you know, whatever it is that you may have need of. And, and yet we want to call him up, say, now, are you sure about that? See, and, and, and all that really does is it, it indicates I don't really have faith. It's not a, it's, there's no condemnation. It's not an indictment, but we're not there. You with me? Okay, and that's okay. You know, I, I'm glad God works with us, amen? He's, he's got some fallible stuff that he's having to, you know, deal with, and, and he's okay with that. But it's important for us to understand that, you know, but, but if I keep asking repeatedly, you know, to make sure that they're coming, well, she'd think there's something, there was a screw loose someplace, you know? We just, were, we just talked to them, they were on the speakerphone, they said they're going to meet us at 6.30, they'll be there. Well, what am I doing? I'm doubting it. I don't know, you know, maybe not. We better check. Well, that's not the kind of relationship we have with God, right? Amen. And then finally, like I said, faith always encounters the battle of the time lapse. Look with me in Mark chapter 11, and let's look at this one verse, Mark 11. Mark 11 and verse 24 the 24th verse. It says, this is King James, it says, therefore I say unto you, now listen, listen to it, what things, whatever things you desire when you pray, what's the next word? What's that word? When do I believe? When you pray. Okay, so it says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, what am I to believe, Lord? Believe that you have received them, and you shall have it, or have them, okay? 
But if I don't believe that I have received them, I am not going to get them. Because it's not faith. So again, let's read it again. Therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them at the time when you pray, and you shall have them. Hallelujah. Another way we could say it this we could say it this way. What things soever you desire when you pray, go on believing that you have received them. Go on believing that you have received them. Well, I talked to the Lord about that, and it's a done deal. He's, he's cared for it. Hallelujah. And he said, you'll receive it. Amen. Well, how do you know that? Because he said in his word that if I would believe him for this thing, and this is what his word says, then he would do it for me. So I'm good. I'm golden. You know, when he cursed the fig tree, he just spoke to it. The command of faith, he said, no man eat fruit of the hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Next day they walk by and this thing is, you know, dying from the root up. And they said, wow, master. And this is the context of this verse. And he said, the, the trees dried up. And he said, have faith in God. So he's talking about the God kind of faith. And that's when he said that, you know, whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray. So now he's, he's moving the, the subject to a different uh, um, need. He said, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, do the same thing. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Go on believing that you have received it. I use Brother Hagin a lot as an example, but I follow him pretty close. But, you know, when he was uh, bedfast, he was four months before, I think, his 15th birthday, and he stayed there for 16 months. He got down to about 89 pounds. He didn't amount to nothing, you know. Well, when he got a hold of these, this, these are the scriptures that brought him off, off the, uh, his deathbed. And he, he didn't, he just had missed, we missed stuff, you know, and he just hadn't, he didn't see that I have to believe that I have received before it shows up, you know, and I will have it. And so as soon as he seen it and made that little bitty adjustment in his heart, he is there. Now, nothing had changed in the natural, but he believed that he had received healing in his situation for his incurable, you know, he had heart disease, he had incurable blood disease, he was paralyzed, I mean, it was a mess. Well, he's laying there, and the Spirit of God speaks to him. He says, so you believe you're healed? He says, I sure do. He says, well, healed people usually are up at 1030 in the morning, get up. Well, you know, you would have thought, but I'm paralyzed. He was, he was partially, I mean, from like his waist down or something like that. So he, he made an attempt. And he grabbed a hold of the bedpost, you know, and he threw his body out on the, you know, and he's hanging on this thing, you know, with no life in his body whatsoever. 
And he says, I just want to declare before God Almighty and the angels of heaven, the devil and all of his cohorts that by the, you know, the word of God, I believe that I receive my healing. Well, in that moment, because he believed that he had received, heaven showed up. And he said it was like honey that got poured on the top of his head. And it began to run down through his body, you know, real slow. And he said, and he said, I don't know what was happening other than the fact that God was healing me. But he said it was so painful. It was like somebody was taking needles and just, you know, poking him all through his body. But he said it hurt good because he knew something was happening. And lo and behold, praise God, he stood up and been walking ever since. And there's a lot of things we could talk about in that context. But I wanted you to see that in that situation, he came to the place of knowing that he had to believe that he had received what it is that God promised. See, you've got to find scriptures that promise what you're believing for. You know, if I ask you the question, well, what scripture are you standing on? You know, some people say, well, nothing in particular. Well, that's what you're going to get is nothing in particular. So he said, again, what things soever you desire when you pray, go on believing that you've received them and you will have them. Now let's turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's look at another verse of Scripture. James chapter 1, notice verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, any of you ever been in a place where you really don't know what to do? Huh? You know? Now notice what James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men. You know how many people get robbed of the blessing of God when it comes to this? Because they think by the help of the devil, well, you know, God really doesn't love me as much as he loves you or them. Or, I mean, you know, he will, he'll do anything. He'll come up with anything to keep people from believing God, you know? Well, you know, I know that God answers their prayers, sure enough, but, you know, I'm just, I, condemnation is from hell. Did you hear me? You know? But he'll use it. Well, you screwed up the other day, and so you're out, you know? God's not going to answer your prayer after all. You're just so ugly and this and that and mean, and you don't do this, and you fail all the time. God, How could God love you? You mess you. And when you agree with that, my friend, dude, you go down the tube. But notice what it says, if any of you lack, if anyone, if any of you, if anyone lacks in wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men, how does he give? Generously. You know, God's not withholding. He said, no good thing will he withhold them from them that walk up. But you've got to believe that. And a lot of folk don't. You know, well, God answers their prayers, but not mine. You know, things like that, you know, that, 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 that undermine and, and overthrow people in their faith, okay? So he says, if anyone lacks in wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally or generously, and, this is great, does not, or uh, the King James says, upbraideth not, or does not find reproach. In other words, he's not going down through some laundry list and saying, well, you screwed up here, and that wasn't real good, and that didn't turn out at all. And last night, ooh, bad. 
you're out. He doesn't do that. It isn't within the character of God. Now, if we've got sin in our life, guess what? You need to get that all straightened up. You know how, you know that. But what I'm saying is, is that these are the kinds of things that overthrow people when it comes to their receiving from God. Thank God for the blood. Everybody say, thank God for the blood. I tell you, praise God, it is the cleansing power of the blood that has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and sin. So, when, so he goes on here then and says uh, that he doesn't find fault, and it shall be given to him, notice verse 6, but let him ask, how? In what? In faith. What's that mean? That means that you have a scripture that has promised you what it is that you're needing, and you believe that scripture, and you say, Father, you said in your word. Huh? Okay. So again, it says here, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man or woman think that they shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we got to get this, we got we to get an understanding, don't we? And that puts us on good and solid ground. Is this helping you tonight? Like I said, hell does everything it can to keep you from having your prayers answered, from God manifesting his will in your life. He'll do whatever it is that he can, but thank God there ain't much he can do if you'll believe God. Amen? Remember that story we talked about with um, um, Daniel. He began to pray and, and uh, fast before God, and the angel, when he came to him, he said, the day that you began, your prayers, your, your prayer was heard. But the prince of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, but I've come for your words. Thank God he didn't, you know, cast away his confidence halfway down the road, say, well, I guess God doesn't want to. And I mean to tell you, the revelation that God gave to him with regard to Israel's future was amazing. So God's power is put into operation according to the word that someone believes for. It's just that simple. When you preach salvation and then you give an altar call and say, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. And when they believe that and they respond to it and they come forward, God supernaturally visits them and makes them a new creation in Christ in that moment. But they got to believe it. Same thing can be said of others that are sitting in the crowd that need salvation, but they don't believe it. They'll say, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Uh, I don't believe this stuff. You know, it's all a bunch of gibberish. You know, only weak people need religion. I mean, there's all kinds of things the devil will lie to people about. But the ones that finally take all of it and lay it behind them and say, forget you, I'm going to listen to what God says and do what he says, they are the ones that have their needs met. So again, let me say, God's power is put into operation according to the word that someone believes for. So it doesn't matter if it's salvation or forgiveness. How many of you know you can get forgiveness? Huh? Well, you, how do you know? Because the Bible says that if we confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all. Everybody say all. All unrighteous. If we confess our sin. 
You know, when Jacob was out there knocking around and him and mom were in cahoots with one another and he stole the birthright, I mean, that guy was bad to Esau. But when he went, you know, and took off and he got out in the middle of some place and he had that dream, he said, surely God is in this place and I didn't know it. And he vowed a vow. He committed. He repented. He said, God, if you'll restore me, bring me back into my father's house, I'll, I'll serve you and I'll give you a tenth of everything that belongs to me. That's what the Bible says. And guess what? God took him up on that because he was a child of promise, just like you're a child of promise. Are you listening to me? So... My clock says, oh, it's 3.03? No, it's 8.01. Okay, great. <laughs> Got to get the right one here. Otherwise, we're going to be here for a while. But salvation or forgiveness, victory over temptation. I'm, I'm talking to you about God's power is released or put into operation according to the word that someone believes for, that I can be forgiven that I can be healed, that I can be saved, that I can be delivered, that I can have victory over temptation, I can be released from some binding habit, that, that wisdom to solve some problem will come my way, a supply for material need, guidance, whatever it is, I'm telling you what, if you can find a word for it, God will give it to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Because he wants it to be that way. So... <clears throat> It's during that time between when I pray and when I receive, the devil will do everything he can to keep the manifestation of God's promise from coming to pass in your life. And he uses lies. He's a liar, you know? So that's why we really need to get our, our mind renewed. And one of the things that, you know, when it comes to people and human beings, one of the things, I don't know why we do this, but we beat ourselves up so bad. Well, we get help doing that. But you know, when you, when you meditate and think about the fact that you're, you know, this is something that John was talking about. He says, he says, behold, what manner of love that the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. What do we do? We just go over in a corner someplace, talk to ourselves about how ugly we are and how no good we are and how we don't deserve and if we would just, you know, such a screw up, all of that. Dude, that, that whole line of thinking is from hell. You know, another place when John was writing, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we'll be like him. Hallelujah. Yeah, because we'll see him as he is. And so there's things that yet await us, but right now, man, you're a child of the living God. So you ought to start believing that. You know, if you've been born of the Spirit of God, hallelujah, and, and not let, you know, the devil undermine your faith, because again, all it's intended to do is get people to give up, to quit. You know? How come people aren't in church? Because something has happened. What has happened? They believed a lie. I don't know what the lie is, but it's a lie. No question about it. Why? Because God is the one. Jesus gave birth to the church. She's his bride. And he, he gave it as a gift to men and women so that we could have communion with one another, that we could have camaraderie, that we could join people of like precious faith and have fellowship one with another. Are you, are you with me? 
And the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. So I can tell you right now, dude, I'm in. I'm all in because I know he's coming again. He's standing at the door. We are at the very threshold of the return of Jesus. We're, we're not in the last days. We're in the, I mean, we're there. <coughs> but yeah, we got people are out banging around, you know, for all kinds of reasons and whatever, you know, I just heard it here again here. <laughs> Somebody was telling me, one of the people in our church, someone very close to them says, well, you know, now listen, you know, you don't have to go to church every Sunday to be a good Christian, you know? And uh, this person uh, said to this individual, he said, but I do, you know? And, and it wasn't in the context, it wasn't meant to be, that's what makes you a good Christian. She was actually saying, I, I don't have to go, I get to go. I want to be there. Amen. And so, you know, uh, a lot of different reasons why people have those kinds of thinkings in their mind. But uh, anyway, um, it's time to go. I'll give you a couple of examples, and um, then, then I'm going to challenge you to release your faith, okay? That'd be all right. Back in 1985, I believe, um, the only building we had was that one. We didn't even have the one where the children's church was, and obviously we didn't have this. We didn't have nothing. And we were trying to remodel that one. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a real small congregation, you know, and just believing God for everything. And we, did, and we needed $40,000 to complete that job. And so um, Deanna and I would come. <laughs> we had an office. I guess you'd call it an office. But anyway, you know, there was a while there we had an office and there was no ceiling in it. It was kind of wild. But anyway, you know, never despise the day of small beginnings. My wife and I was telling, we she reminded me of this. And we, we had heard that uh, uh, the Yoder family had went down to um, camp meeting down in Tulsa. And um, so they're, you know, they're rolling in their Lincoln or whatever it is that they're driving. It's great. And she says, you know, I remember one time when we went to camp meeting. And I said, yeah. And she says, yeah, we had to borrow your mother's car because all we had was junk. You know, and I think we had Brian then, didn't we? And Greg. And Greg. So we got these two little beaters in the back seat. And my mom says, well, drive my car. You can drive my car, you know, and big old, you know, Mercury. And, uh, but it had been sitting in a car. My dad had passed away. Nobody was driving it. So we get this thing out. We get to going. Well, you know, rust had formed in the gas tank. So we get not, not a few miles from home. We're in Oklahoma. It's in the middle of the night. We're going down the turnpike at 35 miles an hour. I'm telling you, don't ever despise the day of small beginnings. So we just, you know, that's it. That's all you could get. You know, and every time I'd try to, you know, push it up a little bit, sure enough, sucker quit. We sit there. Sometimes we sit on the side of the road. We just wait. I don't know what time it was, but it was late. So we, get, we finally get to Tulsa. And I'd forgotten about this, but man, we get to Tulsa and we get a room. And I'm telling you what, dude, you could have saddled these cockroaches and rode them. This place was a dump, you know, but we ain't got nothing, you know, and so then we got no car, 
So what do I do? I go to a place and I rent a wreck. Rent a wreck? Have you ever heard of that outfit? Rent a, this thing was a wreck. And it was like, what am I doing? Well, but when you ain't got nothing, that's what you do. I don't know, man. We'd go down the road and the fenders were flapping. I don't even know if the air conditioner would work. I don't know, man. It was terrible. Well, thank God we don't do that now. I said, we don't do that anymore. You know, so even though you might be in a place right now where things are a little tight and you ain't got much, I'm telling you what, God's got better for you. If you'll believe him for it, you can have it. Are you listening to me? So anyway, back to 1985, we're trying to finish this building. We need $40,000 and we ain't got two nickels to rub together. So I told Deanna, I said, I'm going to go pray. So I went someplace in the building, you know, and I began to pray. And I said, God, I want to thank you right now. Praise God for this 40000 and I And I'm asking you to give me wisdom. And he, he dropped it in my heart that by in 90 days we would have $40,000. And dude, I mean, it, it was just, you know, as alive and real in me as anything I have ever known in my life. So I come back in the office. Now, bear in mind, She's doing accounting, writing letters, doing stuff. I mean, not real spiritual. And I come bounding in there, you know, man, glory to God. God's going to give us $40,000 in 90 days. She's looking at me like, okay, okay, okay. And this was like on a Thursday or Friday. We go to church, and I get up, and I announce to the people, God is going to give us $40,000 in 90 days. Everybody's, woohoo! you know. What they didn't realize is they're the ones that God was going to use to get the 40000 Are you with me? But that's a good thing. And so, um, so we have this church service, and we preach, and it's great and everything. Monday morning, you know, the calm after the storm. And I heard these words, and it came out just like this. He said, you don't really believe that God is going to give you $40,000 in 90 days, do you? And just for a little bit, just a moment, I entertained that idea, and then I caught myself. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. I caught myself because I realized this ain't God. <laughs> this is the devil. And I said, no, devil, I don't think that God is going to give us $40,000 in 90 days. I know he's going to. Now, why am I saying that to you? Because when God speaks to you about certain things, you know, there's the time lapse and if you're not careful, you can cast away your confidence and lose the thing that God wants to put in your lap. And as it turned out, we uh, generated $51,000 in that 90-day period. So we had more than enough. We had 40000 to do the building and, and kept us percolating along as far as the church was concerned, and everything was great. Well, you know, people say, well, you know, you're just so special. No, I'm not special. I'm just a guy trying to figure out what I'm doing. Amen? Just like you, you know? But we can believe God. You can believe God, you know? There was things that God wanted to do with the nation of Israel, and because of unbelief, they didn't get where God wanted them to go. 
The Bible says in the book of Psalms, they limited the Holy One of Israel. And what limited them was their unbelief. So let's not be unbelievers. Amen? So what do you want to believe God for? What do you got going on in that life of yours that you need something or whatever? It might be healing. It might be a physical need. It may be financial. It may be whatever. Um, And here's what I'm going to ask you. What scriptures are you standing on? You know, uh, or what, uh, I I could say it another way, what scriptures promise what you're asking for? Well, I don't know. Well, then let's go home and let's find them. Amen? If it's wisdom, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, this is, when you get ready, and this is something you should do. If you have, let's say you have financial need, go home, find out what the Bible has to say about God's desire to meet your needs. He said, Beloved, my prayer, my desire, my wish above all things is that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospered. That's not what the world says. You know, that's not even what a lot of Christians say. Well, you know, you're that name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and you know, all that kind of group. No, I'm a believer, and I have a Father in heaven who has told me that his desire for me is that I would prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. I'm going for it, okay? Now, will there be, you know, dissenting voices? Absolutely. Will there be naysayers? Yep, there sure will be. You know, there'll be people that, you know, question your motives, all those different kinds. Don't let that deter you. Praise God, just stay in the boat with him. He'll get you to the other side. You with me? And I tell you what, sky's the limit. Glory to God. Amen. Don't limit what God can do in your life. Yeah, but I don't know how. You don't need to know how. Just believe that you receive. He'll tell you how. Are you with me? He wants to tell you how. So I I said that to say, um, go home, find scriptures that promise you, you know, what it is that you need. You know, you, you may have a business and you need a person uh, an administrator or a manager or a whatever, whatever, whatever. God, I'm telling you what, dude, God can bring him out of the woodwork. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, he can, he can do something supernatural to bring you into contact with somebody and, and, uh, and then he'll say, there's your man, there's your woman, you know, or whatever. So y'all believe that? All right, let's stand together. Let's believe God. Hallelujah. Let's find scriptures that promise what we're asking. And then praise God. Let's believe that we receive when we pray. You know? And then everything after that is just thanksgiving. Isn't that right? Father, I just want to thank you that you're giving me the wisdom I need for my business or for my life or my whatever it is that's going on. God, what, what do you want me to do? Look out into your future, you know, and say, God, help me and understand the path that you have for me so that I can know your way. Glory to God. You know, if it's financial, you know, there's, there's things God will tell us, speak to us. It's just like she was talking about in her testimony about somebody out of the blue, uh, not out of the blue, I assume. Do you know this person? Or Yeah. But it doesn't matter whether you know them or not. Somebody took and paid the bill. You, you with me? And uh, so um, how he does it 
is not what we have to concern ourselves with. We just need to believe, praise God, knowing what it is that he's promised. Amen? Praise God. You want a better car? Get yourself a better car. Believe God for a better car. Okay? Amen. You don't need one of them like that Renarec rig that I was, you know, rolling around in. One time my wife and I flew into this airport and they got these courtesy cars. And we called ahead. You got a, oh, yeah, we got one. You can use it. Because we were going to, it was a long trip, flight. And we stopped to refuel, and we were going to go get, grab a bite to eat, jump back in the plane, take off again. So we get in this rig, man, and it's, I don't know where it was, in the southwest someplace. I don't even remember where we were. But, dude, I, we got in this car, and the first thing that happens, it's dusty on the outside. You can't really see out of the thing. I, I turned the key. It did start, but pretty soon the, the windshield wipers are running, and they won't shut off. Okay? And it's hotter in blazes, and the air conditioner doesn't work. And I'm just thinking to myself, now I'm not going to die. I'll be all right. But this is not at the level that it should be. Are you listening to me? God's got better for you. I don't know about you, but I like AC. You know, I remember my brother Ray. You know, we, we had heated seats. And, you know, and, and brother Raymond, you know, he just, uh, uh, he's such a great guy. God bless him. Anyway, he, uh, <clears throat> he got in the car, and uh, I think it was Joan. She says, well, listen, you know, just hit that button there, and your, your seat will warm up for you. It was in the wintertime. He goes, ah, I don't need nothing like that, you know. And, and so, but he did push it. And, you know, and pretty soon he goes, hey, now. Hey, that, that, that's pretty nice. And guess what? Old Brother Ray had him heated seats in the next rig that he bought. Are you listening to me? God got better for you. Praise God. So anyway, Father, we love you tonight. We thank you so much for your generosity toward us, Father, your liberality to meet our every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Father, tonight, I thank you, Father, for faith within the heart of these, your people, Father, that they know who you are and that they know whose they are. And Father, I ask you by the Spirit of God, speak to their hearts, encourage them in their faith. Show them the things, Father, you desire to do in their lives and let them go after it. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing in the house. Also, everyone that is watching uh, by internet, Father, may their faith be encouraged by what they've heard tonight. And Father, we thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, you may be seated. We're going to receive our evening.